0: It takes a lot of ingredients to fix or build a car like cooking but without the frozen dinner easy way out ebay motors has 122 million parts it's always the right fitment so you can follow any recipe to a tee whether it's a vintage italian coupe that's classic like grandma's meatballs or a german luxury car that's as complicated as almost rouladen to cook up something great in the garage use the ebay motors app or visit ebaymotors.com let's ride Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately.
1: Hey everyone, this is the Almost World Podcast. Bringing to you mind-blowing interviews with guests from all over the world. So settle down, relax, and enjoy the show. Oh yeah, by the way, if you like the podcast, please support Elmo's World Podcast on Patreon. Your support is what helps the podcast improve more and more. Welcome to Elmo's World Podcast. This is Elmo Ador Jr., your host. And I have my friend Chigu Alfi. He's from Malaysia. Um, Chigu, can you uh, introduce yourself?
2: Hello, Elmo Aldo Jr. I hope that correctly. My name is Chigu uh, Alfie and I'm from Malaysia. I've been teaching English language and history for the past 26 years and currently I'm writing a book and I happened to stumble upon uh, Elmo's post and we kind of uh, got ourselves uh, in conversations and it was very interesting and I'm very honored to be here tonight, today, yes.
1: Awesome, yeah. Uh, and you told me you're writing a book, man. And it uh, you say that it like um, covers and unites all of uh, the all forms of human knowledge, like philosophy, religion. Can you tell me more about that?
2: Yes, thank you. Currently, the book is uh, underway. Uh, I've already given it a title. In fact, the title is uh, "The Pathetic and the Divine." It's kind of a Hello.
1: Yeah. yeah uh, still on? Yeah,
2: yeah, I am. Yes, yes. The book is called "The Pathetic and the Divine." And the idea is pretty simple. It starts off from the view that um, in all of human history, in all of uh, in all of our understanding so far, mm-hmm. um, human beings are basically uh, pathetic creatures. Mm-hmm. Simply to say that we we don't know that much and We have a lot of information and uh, science and indication in the direction of, you know, finding out the truth or the true reality about life and existence. Mm -hmm. But yet again, uh, in spite of being so insignificant in terms of size and our uh, uh, physical appearance in relation to the planet, the stars, galaxies, and the whole universe, we are pretty insignificant are uh, mostly insignificant but then again i found out that the only rational and realistic way to to traverse and journey in this life is to feel to feel divine to feel that you are related not just to your physical body but to the whole universe uh, in general
0: mm-hmm.
2: so that's the idea mm-hmm. that's why we are thinking that each of us are also Divine. Yeah, in this book, I'm just trying to help uh, process the idea and share the idea, in the hope that perhaps it will be useful to uh, all the readers in the future. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, let's talk about how you got into this idea of of man being this pathetic creature with our limited knowledge and how we try to understand uh, the, the reality, right? So how did you come about this concept and uh, soon developed it and actually decided to write a book about it?
2: Yes, thank you for asking that. Uh, it's, it's kind of a very slow process. Uh, I st- started out um, being quite able in, in school. I always pass my papers uh, quite quite easily, quite effortlessly but then again I did not excel in any area of my uh, involvement in any subjects and I'm quite a jack of a, a jack of all trades you know the one that call it. <laughs> I was able to do many things but again I was not an expert in, in any specific area. So I became a teacher. And I, I thought of myself, I thought of my life as just drifting through quite successfully without too much challenges. Of course, I made a lot of mistakes and bad choices, but somehow I made it through. I have a family now and have a career. But then again, it always dawned on me every night before I go to sleep and every, every morning when I wake up, the same questions keep coming to me. What is the meaning of life? Who am I? And who are these people? And... Why is it that we are alive and we are rewarded with such a wonderful, wonderful life, you know, physical experiences, emotional experiences, and also the, our imagination is almost limitless. We can be anywhere, anytime, you know, in the fabric of space and time. And it, it dawned on me that somehow I understand that existence is actually eternal. You know, um, I incorporated a lot of ideas from many areas of life. Uh, my family is not that religious, but uh, I somehow uh, self-taught myself uh, a lot of things in religions because my family has been a Muslim uh, since the beginning, and uh, I learned to pray and read the Quran and the translations, uh, basically all on my own without any specific teachings. And... Uh, And then I realized that the source of information may not necessarily come from one place. Uh, Am I relating? Am I relating still to you? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Keep talking brother, you're speaking the truth.
2: Yes. Uh, The true source of information about the true reality may not necessarily come from one place. You know, uh, being a believer on my life and perhaps indoctrinated and swayed and too deep-seated in many aspects of the fundamentals of being a believer, I I realized that. I was also, I have also been very interested in uh, being open-minded, opening myself to all possible areas of thinking of psychologies and all that, and... uh, I think I'm quite talented in the sense that I can imagine myself being someone else. I can imagine myself being an atheist. I can imagine myself being a Christian, being a Hindu. I can imagine myself being an agnostic and so on and so forth. And uh, it's, it's it's really wonderful. It's it's truly magical, actually. And I come to a point where I saw that information come from my religious uh, scholars in the mosque, you know, in the madrasas and all the shares all and all the books that i'm reading and information can come from just listening to songs information can come from just watching people um, information can just come from inf- it can come from watching all the vile and terrible stuff that is happening they're happening all over the world oh, every uh, every day day and day out um, I, when I look at criminals, for example, when I look at prostitutes and and drug dealers and swindlers and all that, uh, those people who are you know, convicted in a court and sent to prison and all that, I don't feel that kind of uh, being repelled from them, or I don't feel the repugnance towards all those crimes and evil things and that people do. I kind of get into a, a sense, a mode of understanding I, 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 I found myself able to see the reasons and all the intricacies of the life experiences that has brought all these people to do all those wonderful things and all those terrible things. And uh, and finally, when I looked into science, there is science and there is also the new science. Um the new science in which, um, for example, quantum physics and quantum entanglement and superpositions and, uh, you know, uh, hyperlocation and all that stuff. Uh, it's truly it's, it's really possible that one day science will be able to explain a lot of stuff, the physical and the non-physical, the seen and the invisible things. And uh, I kind of see everything comes in in, in place all the pieces come into play, everything is coherent, none of the things in this world is actually truly uh, inexplicable or cannot be understood. And and, and so it is, I, I found that the only useful way to traverse in life, to go on in life meaningfully and, and you know fully aware, is the realization that we are actually eternal beings. Each individual can only live meaningfully if they can perceive of themselves as universally important, that none of us is actually put here in this life for no reason or randomly or haphazardly, you know, not, nothing is arbitrary, nothing is like a waste. Everything carries uh, as deep a meaning as possible and we can find it in the divine scriptures. We can find it in science. They all will come together. They all converge in a great coherence. And I think this is very truly important, especially in nowadays, when human beings seem to have a lot of information already. And actually, when you put all in place, you know, and look at all the landscape in one big picture, everything will make sense. And there is no reason for people to feel sad or, you know, to withdraw from life. Everything should engage in life as spirit, as spirited and inspired as always. It's always elevated emotion. Everyone deserves to experience elevated emotions, you know, true happiness in their life, whatever they do and wherever they are, whoever they are. That's basically the idea.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And you're right. You know, the, the, the truth is out there and um, it can come from anywhere else on this earth. And uh, what you said about like every individual should th- believe or know that they are universally important is, so- is something really essential. And it's something that we cannot ignore. That's why we, we all, we, all of us in our human society believe in human rights in human dignity and that every individual life matters this is something that um is actually sort of like an intuitionist uh uh, like concept that 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 it arrives at us every at every moment and and we it's simply self-evident in fact and especially um in terms of like how we find beauty in even in the darkest situations you know and even in this these horrible times uh, human hope human love can still uh, surpass and can be seen through all of this and what you said about um, the, about the, the the your book about the pathetic and the divine uh, can you uh, elaborate more on how on what foundations you you uh, you uh rely on this like for example what premises you uh you establish before you uh, can make your uh, conclusions
2: precisely yes of course thank you for the question um the thing is when you look into philosophy we look into the, the structure of uh, logical reasoning and rationality, when you look into the logism and the premises, uh, and in fact, consider all the fallacies that man can make. Uh, in philosophy, it does not offer an absolute and final answer to, to many things, to most things, in fact. And actually, it is the same with science. Science is one of the greatest gifts for mankind. That is uh, completely undeniable, and uh, it has its principles. And one of the most important uh, aspects about science and the science method in scientific thinking is that everything should be uh, measurable and testable, and we should be able to control some factors or variables in order to produce the uh, hypothesized effects or cause and effects or, you know, to, to be able to come up with some uh, meaningful and, uh, and sensible established uh, understanding, even though it is transitory, even though in science you can make 1,000 successful experiments and just one experiment can make all your uh, scientific notion fall into pieces, just one Uh, One experiment that might not agree with the uh, parameters that has been established can put that notion in jeopardy, and that is the scientific spirit. It doesn't depend on established facts. It depends on the sustenance of established facts, uh, insofar as the present time has allowed, and, and the search is always on. Like science is very curious, but it it, it 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 remains on physical evidence, and it remains on physical testability, you know, experimentability. And science isn't interested in things it cannot study. If there's simply no um, no no standardized notions of a uh, material or quantity or physical uh, representation things, now science. It's not because it cannot answer it, but it's because it cannot test it. Because science cannot test something, science is not interested in trying to find answers to things which it can't study. I think that's basically the idea. So philosophy and science, they provide you with means. They can point you in directions, but they don't give establish facts. If you're a philosopher, you might be trained in asking uh, relevant questions, you know, poignant questions, uh, important questions in order for you to advance in your philosophical thoughts and hypotheses and all that, in theories and all that. And uh, and science, in terms of physical science, that is as far as it can bring you to to, to lead you to physical uh, notions. And also, ultimately, I think it is safe to say that science will give you a lot of uh, extensive amounts of indications and in signs about the true reality of the universe, of living and of existence. But, yes. And then, there was this uh, ancient notion that science and religion should, should go against each other. Well, I'm not an expert in all the scriptures, in all revelations and in all the divine religion, but uh, I have been a Muslim all my life, and uh, I'm only qualified to view the situation from the amount of information that I uh, that I understand, and I understand the Quran, and I have always trained myself to 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 put them side by side and see. And the thing is, uh, the Quran is not a scientific textbook, it's not a history textbook, it's not a book on economics or politics it's not um, it's a divine revelation and it's it's trying to cover all questions about all things. And the way to do that because when you look at historical notions in the Quran it it, it doesn't trap Itself into a, a quagmire. For example, when it talks about uh, Moses and the uh, and the Exodus, when it talked about the creations with the heavens and the earth and the first human beings, uh, it doesn't give you specific dates. It doesn't give you, uh, you know, um, a kind of a, a kind of a measurement device. But it gives you the historical notion. That was, that's what it provides. And, of course, we can argue that, okay, some people might look in, at a few things in the Quran and then they say, this conflicts, this is clashing with these uh, other scientific notions and established facts. Well, of course, we can do that. It, it's called exploration. But insofar as uh, the research, my own research that I'm doing, I look at revelations. And the most interesting thing is when you look at the Quran, it is actually telling you um, about the other religions. As you know, the Quran began its revelation when uh, Prophet Muhammad was 40, forty-one years old. It continued on for about twenty-three years, and that there's a specific period where it started and where it ended. And this happened in the seventh century, uh, beginning from five seven one A.D. to six, I think it's six six 617 or somewhere there, yes, specifically 23 years of revelations, and it ended. And it puts the Quran at a, a very interesting spot, timeline of the human history, where it's able to account for the fact and all the revelations that has come before it was revealed, before the Quran said was revealed. And then also it established the like fact that Prophet Muhammad was the the last of the long line of prophets, and divine revelations ended where, when he ended his revelation, when he died and all that. And I sort of overlay that and compare it with all the history of mankind. And yeah, that's it. it. It's able to describe all the religions. When I look at all the other religions, I can see the fact that they all came from one same single source. And throughout time, these, this revelation had been uh, improved upon, it has been a- added on, and it's part of a uh, natural human trait, to be able to, you know, uh, improve on some things, and sometimes they... and the Quran claims that sometimes, because of this enthusiasm, they can just create new things, create new stuff to make them align with their, with their own thinking, and then they claim that this is God's revelation. Quran in specific places in many areas in the Quran, it says that it claims that a woe to those who who, who conducted something, and then they claim this is from, from God. And this can be a religious debate, but I don't, I'm not interested in... In taking that approach and bring it to the world to discuss with all of my readers, who can come from all sorts of, uh, all, sorts of life, all races, all traditions, you uh, know, religions, other religions. So, so the 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 approach that I take is that. I bring this thought and I bring everything. I bring the fine arts. I bring history, well-established histories and facts. And I, I bring uh, science and technology and I bring all the everyday things lab like that you can find even until today. And I try to share with my audience that everything is connected. Nothing is random. Nothing is haphazard. Everything is telling you one story. And, and ultimately, that's where you discover that each and every one else deserves to know that we are universally significant. I mean, I don't know Aldo Junior. I don't know mm-hmm. you physically, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, yes, but then when I think of you, I can only think of somebody who is universally significant. I have full, complete respect for this other person. You know, it helps me when I walk around and I meet strangers. I, I... I, I I sort of able to look at them and recognize them as holy, a person who is holy, completely divine, even though they may appear pathetic and they might not understand so many other things. But the first impression is I approach the world with full respect, full admiration, and full compassion. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's what the book is about
1: <laughs> Well, all I can yeah. say I'm to you yeah, <laughs> is really yeah, you're, answer, you're yeah. a freaking genius, man. And um, you, uh, just hearing you spout all that truth, you know, and your understand understanding of what science is, what philosophy is, and what uh, religion uh, is able to tell us, uh, and and the, and the fact that you can you say that you are able to accumulate all forms of knowledge and. And I hope that um I, I mean, you're able to uh, give me a copy of your book someday <laughs> if you finish it. But um all I want to say is that um, yeah, yeah, yeah. um meeting you here is is really uh, awesome, and I uh, I would love if you could also um talk about. Um, what the topics or the, the specific points you will take or you present in your book, and I hope that um you can also describe or uh, elaborate the what your your defense is or uh, stuff like that that supports it.
2: Yes. Um. Well, maybe I should tell you the second part. I think uh, the second or the third part of the book. Might have a lot of stuff that there will be controversial, yes. And um, the one of the most interesting part in this book that I'm writing, that I'm excited about, excited about, is that it's going to reveal a lot of mistakes and errors, you know. <laughs> and especially now, especially if you think about it, uh, it'll be useful if it is self-reflective. And because I'm not an expert in all the other religions, I might know the fundamentals and the essentials about the religion, but I'm not the experts in them. I only know some people I know from my general reading and all that. But my focus will be on where Islam and the Muslims have have blundered. They have made a lot of blunders and mistakes and errors. You know, in fact, even in the most sophisticated areas of religious uh, scholarship even among the scholars. Not to say that I don't pay them enough respect or sufficient recognition. No, but I'm just here to provide uh, an additional revelation or some kind of an an insightful and useful um, reflection. I would like to show that there are a lot of misunderstandings. For example, let's take Islam, right? Islam is the topic that I, that I, uh, that my book will will be, is hinged upon. And in Islam, I think the Muslims will have only uh, translated 50%, okay? Only half about the treasures and the wisdom in Islam. I mean to say that Islam is such a perfect religion. The question is the basic question is why aren't the Muslims so perfect? Why haven't the Muslim world unite? You know because they have this perfect revelation and this perfect uh, book, the perfect tradition of the of the perfect prophet and all that. Why aren't they uh, giving evidence of uh, of evidence and you know? uh in building nations, in in social practice, even in economics, you know, a lot of stuff that people don't know about Islam. Yes, I, I agree that um but if you dwell deeper into Islam then you get to know that and there's almost not an area of life that uh, it is not covered either by the, the revelations in the Quran, or by the conveyance uh, of the tradition from the uh, Hadith Sahih, or authentic Hadith, or the livelihood of the Prophet, and all that. But then again, even the Muslims are missing a lot of things. So that is what, that's one of the heavy burdens that I'm carrying uh, in the book. And, as you say, what being my well, there is no difference, actually, because i the, the, the objective of the book is not to point to people's uh, mistakes, basically. Uh, for example, I don't try to criticize Christianity or Hinduism or the agnostics or atheism. I might even point out their strong points. I might even point out how how useful and relevant they all are. Because the final judgment is not in the hands of men. That's ultimately the established fact that I'm uh, depending upon. The final judgment, because science doesn't give you, philosophy doesn't give you, the history, history comes to you with, with interpretation, and history is according to those the writers of the history. We all that. So uh, beyond this subjectivity, Quark Maya and this, uh, the quagmire, and the plethora of... Uh, you know, opinions and standpoint. The world is not that shattered. Actually, they all come together. And I, I don't, I don't prepare my defense because I'm not attacking anyone. I'm uh, revealing how uh, some things that are already there. Things are already. People can easily relate to. It. They can understand. Patterns, love, mercy, justice, uh, equality and trainers and human rights and so on and so forth, even the rights of the flora and fauna, you know, even the sustenance of the and all that. So, so that's the thing. I, it might not be so much about defense, it's it more on a, leaving a boat that's going to, you know, hopefully it will be useful for the benefits of the generations to come. That's it.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm I guess then uh, you say that you present uh, some criticisms, but not all and you, you might actually bring their strong points, right? For example, in Islam. But uh, in a way, I, I want to know what you act- what news thing you're actually presenting. You're sort of uh, uh, presenting, I guess a whole uh, or a holistic view or a take on knowledge, uh, especially uh, mm-hmm. religious ones. And what is your goal here? What is the vision that you're trying to present to the world?
2: Yes, I think you might be also talking about the uh, solutions or the conclusions that people can benefit from the book towards the end. Uh, am, I, am I right? Uh, what is offering in the end?
1: Is yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. Well, now, as I told you, the book it is in process, and I've got all this thing uh, laid out in front of me, and I have to admit that I'm still in the process of uh, coming to terms with the conclusion of the book. The conclusion of the book is something that people need, but they can't seem to arrive at it. For example, what do we want? we want a, a world in peace and harmony we want the world to we want people to experience life we want mutual respect and that's not this that's what we are not getting the uh, people of the world are still viewing themselves as separate as different as me and you one stuff and the other and, and that's basically the reason. it doesn't matter how sweet you appear in front of people but you know as one expert told me, like if you go to uh, a primary, an elementary school you know school with young kids, they can tell you instantly which teachers are and love them and which teachers actually don't like them they can tell you almost immediately. All right, because human beings were endowed with this special gifts especially children, and the more they have some some kind of feelers or antennas that you know goes out feel and touch the world in ways that we grown ups have, have forgotten to, do. and they can sense love and compassion. They can sense your 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 sympathy and your empathy in you, how much you feel together, your love and compassion, that's it. And they can sense we don't like them. Now, people in this world, they still don't like each other. They still cannot find it in their hearts to, to give full respect and recognitions towards the others simply because I'm a Muslim and you're a Christian because I'm, I'm a nihilist and you are a, a perfectionist. You know, stuff like that. You know, uh, ultimately, hopefully this book will uh, allow people to go into the uh, land uh, hey, everyone, pathetic, yet everyone's is divine, give full respect, trust the world, trust the other people. And of course, when they commit crimes, you know, as, as long as a are working uh, laws and regulations in the area, of course, you can go to the justice system and you can, you know, you know, uh, sentence people, sentence criminals too, to the crimes uh, that they, to the time that they need to serve and all the penalties, you know, but then again. In reality, in your truest sense as a person, and person, you have full respect, okay? You have full respect. I mean, meaning to say, when you look at other person, uh, you're not looking just at the physical body or appearance, the face or the eyes or the language or the, the colors and the build and all that. It's one soul looking at another soul. And hopefully, this book will become a guide that will allow a lot of people to start a romantic cult, for example, you know, for lack of a better word, <laughs> to, for the people of the world to start uh, loving each other in ways that ne- they never realized that they, they can, you know, they are capable of doing that. And hopefully a lot of um, what you call differences will be looked at as just differences, meaning to say if you have, if you want to debate on which religion is true, do it and bring it in a closed arena, you know, only for those who are interested in debating and looking at the facts and comparing them, but not in the open. Meaning to say, uh, for example, the Muslim world. Let's take the Muslim world, for example. They will do the best kind of job as Muslim, you know, as in proselytizing and spreading the word of Islam, if they can show to the world the true examples if they can become exemplary that's it perhaps one day people can just look at a Muslim and then they go say wow look at that and that's a Muslim and that's that's the coolest way to, to do it and that's how you should live and you know that will be the best preaching of the day you know it, it doesn't necessarily become, okay, let's look at facts and let's argue. No. So people will start to respect each other and hopefully uh, people will become enlightened and this will have impact upon their daily lives. When they wake up every morning feeling they trust the world and that they have respect for themselves as well as others and they can even trust the natural world, you know, how things work and they become less fearful of the uh, of things that are unknown, and uh, yeah that's it. So realizing that they are pathetic in their divine, I think that is the perfect solution for th- that the world needs today.
1: Wow, that's awesome, awesome. Yes. Yeah, and um, <laughs> now that we've uh, discussed a sort of uh, the divine part of uh, us being humans, you know, we have this universal importance. I guess then uh, I want to ask if you you believe in God as well, or what kind of, or what concept of God do you believe in? Yeah.
2: Well, thank you very much for the question. I think that's one of the eternal questions people have been asking throughout uh, centuries and millennia, in fact. And All right. Uh, I I guess the first thing that I can reflect upon uh, in this sense is that there is a verse in the Quran, I don't know if you know it but most people who have studied a little bit, you know, and and look around for specific and relevant information in uh, areas of research that they are looking at um, if you look at Islam if you ask the Muslims, for example if you ask Ten Muslims, I think nine of them will give you this answer. The definition of God in Islam, that that is the, the pillar, that is the core and the essence, yes? And the funny thing is, most people don't realize that in Islam, the definition is in the negative. Meaning to say, okay, now, now this relates to, to my own research, my own, uh, what do you call that? Uh, indulgence upon the questions, right? When I told you that you can you you can ask the question, but you, you, you won't get to the absolute answer. You can look at signs and signs will give you the signs of the greatness of God. And this is from the Quran. The Quran says, uh, look at the signs of the greatness of God. The Quran says, uh, God says, if I may use the word Allah, in Islam, God is Allah. Allah is just the name. Allah says, don't ask of me, of my essence, but look at the signs of my greatness. Now, this is the fundamental uh, principle. Don't don't look for my essence, you know? Don't try to get a grip on my essence, on who, who or what I am, but just look at the signs of my greatness. Now, this is crucial because this has been the guideline for most Muslims. That's why um, when people say, where is your God? They, they 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 don't know what to say because, you know, I haven't seen my God with my eyes. How do you expect to show you God with your eyes? You know, things like that, if you want to take it as in simple terms, but basically that's it. We we, we cannot find the ash we can only look at the signs of his greatness. That's one. But uh it, it goes along with the, the verse, the first verse in the Quran. Basically, uh namely this is verse one hundred and twelve. Uh, it's quite popular It's a very short chapter It contains only four lines And it's uh, chapter 1 and 12 Verse 1 verse to 4 It's very simple it's, And it's very short It says Kul ahad. Say, say O Muhammad This in the Revelation Say O Muhammad Allahu ahad, That God is just one God is just one And then it goes Verse 2 Allah is the God on whom everything depends, on whom everything depends, on, on which nothing can exist without depending upon God. Now this is crucial because you can take this in philosophy, you can take it in science, alright, uh, for example in science, uh, as a Muslim, you believe that everything is created, and Allah has erected the laws of nature. Everything is energy, and when the energy is focused, you get uh, a concentration of energy, and and then it creates in the fabric of space and time. It creates matter. It creates mass, and mass can disappear if you go in the speed of light. E equals m c squared. Sorry, that, and then. Um, Everything is entangled, everything is entangled. So everything is, is um, what do you call that, dependent upon the same thing. So verse, verse 2, it says, Allah is the God on whom everything depends. And the third, the third verse, he he has no son and he's, he's not begotten. Meaning to say, because he's single, he doesn't have a parent, he doesn't have a, friend, he doesn't have a, a wife or, or partner or helper and no children and, and all that stuff. This is basically, it is in simple lines, verse number three. It says, say Allah is the one, Allah is the God on whom everything depends. Lam Yalit, he has no son, It's is not begotten. And it says, There is nothing in this world, in everything that you know, that to him is comparable. There is nothing whatsoever in this world, in this universe that you know of, that to God is comparable. And then, And he is one. And the last line will, will go, And he is one. So, this very a go. Is very short. Chapter and basically you can bring it. You can bring it everywhere. You can bring it in philosophy, in in psychology, in even the finest art. You want to test it in the literature and in the finest art. You will come to the same result that this the, the chapter on which Muslims uh, lay the foundation of the uh, divine belief and this is God. So there is. So people can come to you with. Uh, a lot of rubrics or maybe library philosophies, you know, in logic and rational reasoning, and as long as they are looking for essence, as long as they argue to, to find out what is God, to become to be able to see it and measure it and test upon it you know, if we had been able to do that God would have discovered the first day the, the world was discovered. And there would be no unfolding of uh, human dramas, and, you know, throughout the millennia. And yes, that's it. So I believe in God and this God, uh, where is he, for example? Of course, there are some some uh, lines of uh, authentic Hadiths and also uh, discussions by the scholars. And one of the Hadiths says, what? Uh... Allah is closer to you than your jugular vein or the vein or the blood vein in your neck. So God is closer. And you don't have to shout. He's there before you even speak and, and stuff like that. So is that relevant as, as an answer?
1: So, yeah. So yeah. my question would be is um, now that you have this uh, belief in God, But ultimately, though, what do you think is the purpose of why we are here? Why there is suffering, where there's this problem of evil? Why did he have to create some sort of will or even this humans that that interact with each other are able to love, hope or even actually hate each other? What do you think is the purpose of this?
2: Well, that's a very wonderful question, Elmo. Is, uh, you are familiar with uh, the many types of philosophies that we have?
1: Yeah, yeah, For yeah. For example, I do, I
2: do. Uh, yeah. And uh, there is one philosophy, the the nihilism, or uh, example by Friedrich Nietzsche, say he's a, some people say he's a, a nihilist, uh, nihilist. Frederick Nietzsche says, what is yes, we have killed God, yes, you remember that?
1: Yeah, um, I think uh, Nietzsche though is uh, an existentialist in my opinion, but I, a lot of people do in the modern age do see him as a nihilist, yeah. but that's not how I, how I see it.
2: Yeah, well it's very interesting, very well, thank you, and yes, he is uh, the existential it was uh, made popular by Albert Camus, if I'm not mistaken. In one of his novels, he, he wrote the novel, The Stranger. And as an existential, uh, he, he killed a person. And yet uh, in his philosophy, there was no need for him to to act as if uh, it is known. And he, he, he continued on with his life without feeling remorse or guilt. And it was never discovered and, you know, if you kill a person and then you're not discovered, it then doesn't mean anything, as an existential, you know. And um, yes, for Friedrich Nietzsche, I think is more well in my perspective we often talked of as a, as a nihilist. But the thing is, all the philosophies that we have, we can think of that we have learned, we have discovered, they are all relevant in order to achieve the big picture it's my idea you know you have to consider for even for for example like, like in, in spirituality uh, atheism is not useless you know it's it's only a matter of the unfolding of the events in the world that we find some people are atheists some people they 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 just lack like the belief as long as they they are not convinced by the evidence, they cannot lie to themselves and bring themselves to believe that there is God. If, with all their mental and emotional capacity, psychological capacity, they cannot arrive at the conclusion that, that God exists, well, they are atheists, and you cannot kill them, or you cannot say that they will go straight to hell. You know, that's the difference in in my view that's why i'm writing this book because i don't find any any scholar colleagues to discuss such matters it's quite difficult and um so the question was why are there so many things all the things we want all the things that we don't want why do evil exist why even satan is let loose around the world well let me tell you everything is divine Everything is divine. Everything is within God's power. You know, sometimes people say, how do you know you are powerful and able to hurt a person or kill a person, and yet you don't? And yet you don't. You know, in Islam, there, there, there's this thing they call 99 great names. Okay, 99 names of Allah. Uh, these are basically characteristics and traits, divine characteristics that are attributable to, to to Allah alone. To be able to 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 become omni, to say to acquire all those traits, 99 names. And one of the names is the most patient, the most patient. You know, if you think about it, thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are committing blasphemy, you know, are saying bad things and wrong things and slander and lies, yeah, in, in my perspective, lies about God, and yet God does not, you know, put them to death or strike them with me in the instant. And, for example, you can take the Quran, you can burn the Quran, you can use the Quran to wipe your ass, for example, you know, just to, to show your repugnance and to show that you rebel, And that is not proof that that God is not powerful enough to to hurt you back or, you know, to punish you because of that mistakes uh, in the instance. No. But the most powerful God would let you. The two most prominent names of Allah says, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Ar-Rahman is Allah whose love is widespread, unconditional, and He can give His uh, abundance and plentiful, uh, you know, plenty of things to whomever he wants, whenever he wants, wherever he wants. That is Rahman. But when we say Rahim, now that is all the gifts and success and happiness and pleasures and comfort that Allah has given to those whom he truly loves because these people recognize him and worship him. So that's Rahim. But in terms of Rahman, he can give, you can become a criminal, a more successful uh, drug dealer like like Pablo Escobar and you can still experience wealth and abundance and enjoyment. You can uh, indulge in all your lust and desires and you know, all the wildest things you can think of and then you die. Yes, it's possible. And so when you exist forever, if that's the understanding you can get from your religion and from all your science and philosophy, that you exist forever, there is so uh, afterlife and there is justice. If Pablo Escobar, for example, he died without without getting any any uh, what do you call that reciprocity or punishment for all the crimes that he did, for all the lives that he took, and for all the oppressions and injustices that he uh, he he instilled upon man, and yet he was not punished. And what does the Quran says? Uh, it says, uh, and God will not be unjust to you, even in the amount of an atom. Even in the amount of an atom. So I think you have to view. Uh, the purpose of life, as the Quran says, it is for God to test you. Now, it sounds casual. It sounds rather flippant and simplistic. You know, a test. Why should he test us? He's God. He's able to give everybody everything that they want. He can give pleasures. He can feed all the hungry mouth in the world throughout uh, billions of years if he wants to. If he wants to. But is that is that how it's going to work? You know, you have to go back to the drawing board you have to go back to your philosophy you have to go back to your logical and cause and effect you know you can go forward or backward you know in time you can look all the variables or you can look all the drama all the possibilities all the all the possibilities that you can think of and you will come to the conclusion that the world needs to run to traverse this way evil needs to exist people need to suffer if you go to a, a, a simpler uh, illustration example, what is eating? you eat okay people eat but do you eat well do you enjoy it? what is the pleasure of eating when the food tastes really nice when you are really really hungry and the, the, the dish is served very well balanced and all the ingredients are put just nicely in most perfect a, a perfect uh, measurement served this way and then you eat. And the pleasure is, you know, uh, you, cannot, you cannot find this kind of pleasure. If you are deeply hungry, you will eat with deep pleasures. And for that pleasure, you need to to be hungry. For you to taste the magical, the bewildering pleasure of drinking fresh water, you know, you have to be truly, truly thirsty. So uh, that's the thing. Some people call it duality. Some people call it, you know, well, that's just your thinking. But but no, you can check on your philosophy. You can check on your logic, all right? Uh, It has, the world needs to traverse this way. And yeah, sometimes I think about it. Why does God create Satan when he knows that Satan is going to go against him? Well, he's God. Uh, What is not understood by God? Evil is his creation, you know, uh, suffering, um, pain is all his creations. So, for the world to unfold, you know, this world, this universe is the statement, the divine statement of God. So, when he expresses this statement of his divine power and mastery over things, he has the full uh, authority to say how it will unfold and because of that you know some people say why uh, why do good (laughs) good people uh, suffer a lot of injustices and it's the same way why do uh," but in in the same token um, suffering is for everyone everyone can can find difficulties and problems in fact you cannot run away from problems if you have everything in this world everything that you want there will always be one more thing that you want. It will never be enough. So, so I think, so I think that's why we need to uh, open ourselves to these kinds of uh, thinking, to this kind of you know putting everything together and let you see that finally you get to say that oh, when I cry before I cry. Allah cries Before I feel hungry Allah is the one Is the creator of that hunger And Allah knows what is hungry He is the originator Of the suffering of hunger And he is hungry first Before you are hungry So The line is always There You are never separated No one is ever separated from God Or from each other so, I hope that is uh, relevant, Elmo.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is. And to ask you one last question, Jago, because I I think we're mm-hmm. almost uh, an hour now, and I want to ask you this question. And my my question is, um, yes, uh, uh, to what vision do you have for this world? You know, it 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 might seem messed up right now, and probably take like. 10 more centuries before we reach some sort of utopia, but in a way, what uh, kind of world can we, uh, or what kind of actions can we take to make this world a better way in our own personal uh, steps?
2: Thank you, Elmo. Um I think if people spend more time you know, looking at these things the way that perhaps I've suggested, and I'm not the only one doing this, and I think this is a culture and a, and, a, and a genre that people are now looking at, and I hope it's relevant. And I think once you realize that you are pathetic and you are divine, right? Now, people need to know this. Once you realize that, then you understand the true value of the moments that you go through, of the things that you do. You know, not, not a big thing. Like I'm a teacher, I'm trying to educate young generation. Oh, that's such a big thing. I, I cannot even measure that, right? Yeah. It's the thing, for example, like me, I'm a teacher. When I step, when I start walking into my classroom, right, uh, I, when I started walking, when I start to walk into my classroom, every step of the way is divine. Every step of the way is not random, is not meaningless, it's full of sense, it's full of meaning, it's full of life, and it's full of. Um, the eternity is there. Eternity is there. If you are a, a cleaner for a building or place, if, if your job is just to sweep the floor clean, right? When you sweep the floor clean and then you understand that every swerve that you take with the broom and every dust and particles that you lifted off the floor is meaningful, you know. It's not, it's not something insignificant. It's, uh, it's the unfolding of the universe that God is with you. And you, you, you don't have to brag about it. It's it's a pleasure, it's a pleasure that fulfills itself. When people start to do this, if you're running a big company, if you're president of a country, if you are a blogger who's producing a a, a short program like what we're doing now, um, every moment that goes along, you know, every second that ticks and talks in the fabric of space and time. Everything is meaningful. Everything is bringing you closer to the ultimate truth, to the realization and the completion of your story. And when more and more people start to do this, hopefully the people will forget to hate. People will forget to, to be suspicious. I'm not talking about being, you know, uh, carelessly suspicious. And you know, when people come to you with a knife or a, or a pointed gun, you don't go and hug them. Of course not. <laughs> but uh, I'm talking about the the general day-to-day living that people, everyone goes through. When you look at your mother, when you look at your brother, it's like looking at them for the first time. When you when you are about to leave your house. When you pack up your bag, if you start to go to work or to your uh, college for lectures, and then when you say bye-bye to your mom, it's like saying goodbye for the last and final time. It's like you are not coming back to see your mother. Can you can you imagine that, that, that feeling, that elevated emotion? Mm-hmm. The emotion that's so strong and so, yes. And uh, when you come back to your house, as you start walking to your house, the house might be there, the house might not be there. You are completely, you don't have any control over things and when you arrive at the house and the house is there and then you meet your father or meet your little brother, it's like you're meeting them for the first time. Can you imagine the the joy and the elevated emotion that you can have at that time? So when people start to reach uh, this level, um, life will be like, like, like in heaven. Life will be like in heaven. When you're standing on the ground, and then you feel your feet touching the ground and then you say that you stand in awe amazing awe and bewilderment and amazement and gratefulness and you know just listen to the experts this is what they want you to experience and with this kind of understanding y- you you don't go live you, go, you don't go through life the same way that you have before Tonight, for example, tonight I'm on my way home, I'll be reaching my home, my house. It's not the first time, maybe it's the 1,000 or 2,000 times, but as I reach my home and feel like I've reached there for the first time, can you imagine the joy and elations that I'm experiencing, that I want people to share this. That's it.
1: Awesome. And that's a great answer, my friend, and um, thank you so much for being on my podcast, and I really enjoyed this conversation, Chigo, and um,
2: Wow, everyone, Yes, I'm. I'm the one who's honored. Yes, thank you very much.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes. uh, I I pretty much just uh, ask you questions, but to me, like I li- I love listening to my, my guests who are very very interesting. You know, from all around the world, and uh, you surprised me, man. Like, I didn't expect this wisdom to come from 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 you. Uh, it's really uh amazing. You know, it's a, a awesome phenomenon where like um. Yeah, such uh, even an individual who who you know like uh, for for me for instance i i i'm just young mm-hmm. I, I don't uh, know much about the world but for me to be able to uh, connect with someone who's who's deep into this uh, philosophical uh knowledge you know and uh, it's it's just something that i never expected in my life but yeah so thank you so much and yeah. mm-hmm. uh, goodbye man
2: Yes. And I want no, I, I envy you. I envy you because you are given such a magical opportunity to be able to interact with people. And I'm just one people. And I'm grateful for this night. And I think um, this has been such a wonderful and divine appointment that one of the appointments that I have. And you are divine, my friend. You are divine.
1: <laughs> Thank yes. you. Bye, man.
2: Okay. bye bye thank you take care and all the best I'll be enjoying your show from now on <laughs> yeah
1: okay bye dude um. so that's the end of it thanks for tuning in guys this is your host Elmo Ador Jr. and thank you for listening in and please subscribe please follow us on Facebook Please, please follow this please thanks <laughs>
0: It used to be hard to find the exact auto parts you needed, and that meant spending a lot of time at swap meets. It's a different game now when you can order exactly what you need from eBay Motors. They have 122 million parts, so you can always find the right fitment. Spend less time searching and more time building with the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately.